This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Dice Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at the FFPC, Blue Wire, Indeed, and Pepsi. Alrighty, folks, week one—it's in the books. I've been waiting at least seven months to say week one is in the books. I didn't—I wasn't sure if week one would ever be in the books. It might—I thought it might be in the books in November. But it's in the books. It's September 14th as we're recording this, and week one is in the books. How are you tonight, Daniel Senyo? Well, I'm good knowing that we actually are getting at least a portion of a football season. I I hope it lasts all the way through. We'll see if anything crazy goes on. But, uh, yeah, it it feels good to to have it back, you know, to kind of pop in a few games here and there. I was unfortunately at work all day on Sunday, so I didn't really get to see a whole lot. But – uh, all of the highlight reels. I'm officially a uh, a hashtag highlight watcher, so that that was pretty darn enjoyable. I saw a little bit of the early Monday night game, and um, apparently Juju Smith Schuster exists again, which is nice. Yes, Juju Smith Schuster does exist, and I'm sure we'll get to him later. No, we won't because it's Monday night, and we haven't got that on the list. But Smith <laughs> Schuster, he's alive. And another man who is no longer alive is Marlon Mack, the uh, running back for the Indianapolis Colts. But before we get into that, I want to hear about uh, about Marlon Mack's quarterback in our FFPC FFPC stat attack. Well, that was one hell of a segue, and it is into our FFPC stat attack of the week. And it is about the new Indianapolis Colts quarterback, Phillip Rivers, who has started 225 consecutive games. That means he hasn't missed a game in 14 years. He took over for Drew Brees in 2006, and it was his his backfield for that whole time. Now we see him in Indianapolis taking over. And for, for a little bit of perspective, Brett Favre's Ironman record is 297 games. That would mean... 39-year-old Philip Rivers would have to play four more years from this point forward to tie. Yes, to tie. <laughs> I don't see that happening. Kind of uh, kind of an enjoyable, nonsensical stat attack. I mean, I think we can agree on that. But you know what's really sensical? Yes, that is a word, believe it or not, is heading on over to our friends at the FFPC by going to myffpc.com for all of your fantasy football needs. 
Yep. Make sure you go to FFPC for all your fantasy football needs and make sure not to go to Marlon Mack for your fantasy points needs for the rest of the year because yeah. he, he's out. Uh, torn yeah. Achilles. And before the injury, Naheem Hines was one of the biggest surprises of week one. The amount of action he was getting, I feel like uh, I, I was quoted uh, just a short two weeks ago saying, anytime the Colts put the ball in Naheem Hines' hands, they're saying, <laughs> we don't want to win the football game. And they did it early and often when Marlon Mack was healthy. And so now with Marlon Mack out, I think Naheem Hines, his role might even increase from what we saw in, in week one. Yes, Jonathan Taylor takeoff will be happening shortly. But I will say I was impressed with how much they used Naheem Hines, what he did with those touches, scoring two touchdowns. I might be buying it on Hines, certainly as a waiver wire target, but even as a, a you know decent by low target. I feel like after this news, everyone's just saying, all right, Jonathan Taylor's a first-round starter pick. Jonathan Taylor's a top-five running back. I mean, that's a fine takeaway, but Naheem Hines being fantasy-relevant is the more important takeaway, in my opinion. Yeah, it's hard to deny that. And, and I mean, maybe we just kind of glossed over it because of the Jonathan Taylor edition and us probably thinking that Marlon Mack was still going to have a pretty sizable role in the offense. But Naheem Hines had like 140 targets over his first two seasons combined and over 100 catches. So, I mean, he's he's been doing this. It's just kind of been a little bit under the radar, kind of a, you know a, a de facto Chris Thompson type. This offense seems like it's going to be relatively high volume whether it be on the ground or through the air. I mean, Philip Rivers threw like 50 passes, and and it seemed like the backs were all still getting enough to, you know, to, to do what they needed. So, I, you know, I don't think it's any surprise to say that Naeem Hines probably won't have a huge hand between the tackles. They'll probably still get four, five, six touches a game from the actual backfield. But, I, yeah, I think we're looking at genuinely six to ten targets game in and game out as long as he's healthy, um, which, I mean, that could mean huge things coming for Jonathan Taylor because we saw him involved in the passing game for the first time in his basically football career. They didn't do that at Wisconsin. That's not built into their program in Wisconsin. We get him in the NFL, and all of a sudden he's it was it six for six. He got all six of his targets, which was like double his pass catches in all of college. So uh, this... This backfield could be exciting for some time. It sucks for Marlon Mack because I I think he was a good two down guy. You know, it it is what it is. But thankfully they they've got Jonathan Taylor, so I don't really think they're going to miss a beat. And honestly, they might be a little more efficient without Marlon Mack. Uh, just a uh, buy low check on Mack. Is it worth throwing a third at him, or do you think that his career is over? No, I think he'll stick somewhere as kind of a you know your two down plotter type. I mean, he's better than Jordan Howard, and Jordan Howard keeps getting paid and keeps getting jobs and keeps getting work. So that, um, I mean, there's there's always a space in the NFL for those kind of guys, guys that can just eat carries and and ground and pound. So, and, and you know, he's far from he's far from wash. He's still young. Yeah, it's an ACL, but doesn't mean what it used to mean, obviously. So I think I think yeah, if you can buy super cheap on Mac, which you should be able to, I mean, he is more than likely going to be free and clear next year probably would be a, a cap casualty or maybe just a free cut. I, I don't know if they'd hang on to him through his rookie deal, but you know, he, he might, he might, um, he might see that, that ax. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let, uh, actually one, one thing before we move on is John Taylor. I feel like there was a role reversal of the guy who we're talking about next and John Taylor. Obviously, you talked about how John Taylor had saw minimal, uh, you know, receptions in college, and he 
received lots of uh, catches in, in this this past week. Uh, there was Clyde Edwards Elaire, who obviously was known as the pass catcher coming out of college, and he was not featured at, at all, only two targets in his Thursday night debut, but he excelled in the running game. So I, I do think that, honestly, it's more impressive that Jonathan Taylor was involved in the receiving game than it was that Edwards Elaire was successful without the passing game. But both things are, are impressive and, and show that, that both guys should be basically top five dynasty running backs right now. Yeah, and not to take anything away from CEH because he looked pretty darn good. It, it just, I think anyone that's going to be in that backfield, assuming that they stay healthy, is is going to produce. Maybe not twenty five for one forty and you know a touchdown, but I, I just I feel like it doesn't matter who's going to be back there. If you're paired with Patrick Mahomes and an offense that explosive, you're going to have room to produce. Uh, I still think Jonathan Taylor is pretty far and away the better all-around back. That doesn't mean that CEH is is any slouch. He's going to be great between the tackles for them. I think that's where he works best. Um, They've got enough pass catchers where I think, honestly, he'll be able to just stick to between the tackles, keep him there, limit his injury risk as best they can, obviously. A running back's getting hit 30 times a game either way. So, yeah, it's it's still going to be a Jonathan Taylor... Um, preference for me, but it's hard to deny a 21-year-old running back on a Kansas City Chiefs team that has draft capital and is paired with Patrick Mahomes for at least four years. Yeah, and we'll we'll go we'll continue in the CEH conversation by saying that pretty much throughout the offseason after the draft, I've been saying that I'm fading CEH because I don't think he's as talented as Jonathan Taylor and as DeAndre Swift, but I'm full I'm doing so full well knowing that he's in a situation that is almost bulletproof. And he showed in week one why it's almost bulletproof, the wide open lanes, the elite offense of Patrick Mahomes. And so I, I, I don't really see how you cannot have C, like I don't think the CH is of the talent level of a top five running back, but you have to put him there at this stage because this situation is not going anywhere. Patrick Mahomes isn't going anywhere. Clyde Edwards Lair is not going anywhere. And it doesn't really matter. The lanes that are opened up through, through Mahomes are going to provide Edwards Lair basically an RB one career outside of like an injury. Yeah. There's no, there's no doubting that whatsoever. It, it, it would make it a lot easier if I thought that the pure talent was there. Um, but yeah, I mean, situationally you, you have to have him there. If you don't have him there, you're just, you're going to be playing from behind. And uh, one player that's good at playing from behind is Sammy Watkins. (laughs) (laughs) The week one superstar, man is last year. He had just a million points week one. Uh, this year looked just kind of like what we would expect from Sammy Watkins. So I don't know. I, I mean, he's always the one injury away from being completely useless. You know, he got injured last year and then just completely disappeared. He was still serviceable, I guess, if you want to say serviceable. But yeah, I mean, if you have another sell window, I'd go for it. I, I can't imagine people biting again after last year, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I do think that the one thing to take away from Sam Watkins week one is that it's weird because a lot of people are kind of casting aside McCall Harmon's short-term upside and basically saying, okay, it looks like it. Sammy's the wide receiver too, and then Harmon's not going to be able to be startable week to week. I'm I'm not there yet. I, I like Sammy a lot, but we, he has shown time and time again that he will disappear from games, whether it's because of health or just not playing well. And so 
if you can buy McCole Hardman in Dynasty, knowing that, or basically from an owner who, or from a manager who thinks this guy isn't going to be producing this year, I'm buying right now because I, I think that McCole Hardman is going to be producing uh, sooner rather than later, and I don't think that Week One Sammy is deterring my thought from that. Sure. Uh, looking back, you know to last year's draft and kind of the uncertainty surrounding Tyree kill for what seemed like forever. I don't know that McCall Hardman wasn't just a Tyree kill insurance policy. I mean, for the love of God, Demarcus Robinson had six targets and why, um, you know, the, the backfield only saw four targets. That's kind of tough. Uh, I mean, Mahomes only threw it 32 times. So the offense is going to be super efficient. When they get ahead, they're going to stay ahead. They're going to coast. They're going to run the football, which will help limit Mahomes and keep him fresh. But it it may mean that some of the guys further down the depth chart, like McCole Hardman is right now, may not get the opportunity second half to, you know, because they're, they're not going to go to McCole Hardman early unless Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, one of those guys gets hurt. I don't think we're going to see McCall Hardman early and often unless for some reason Kansas City's trailing or they're in a, a tight game and they, they want to go a little bit more three wide receiver uh, or four wide receiver, I guess, at that point, because he's currently slotted in as wide receiver four on this team. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but you already have the good version of him in Tyreek Hill. That doesn't necessarily mean that you can't put two of those players out there I think Andy Reid just likes the way the offense flows with different guys playing different wide receiver positions. You get the big, the, you know, the, you kind of your outside prototypical one in Watkins. And then you kind of get that slot type with Demarcus Robinson. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is a super beast. I feel like Andy Reid's kind of more that guy that likes his prototypes or likes his certain fits into certain roles. I would hope that McCall Hardman sees some usage soon, but. I think it's going to take an injury for him to genuinely find real work. Yeah, it's it's definitely a possibility, but I, I do think that basically you're buying right now at the price of he's not going to produce this year and you'll benefit from anything that he does produce this year. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Rams and their backfield featuring Malcolm Brown, the man who had 79 rushing yards, two touchdowns, along with 31 receiving yards. Uh, you know, many people were hyped for Cam Akers' season or possibly even Daryl Henderson's season, but he got injured towards the end of the preseason or towards the end of the, you know, I guess it would be called the offseason. But Malcolm Brown seems to be the feature back in Los Angeles right now. I, I still lean towards this is a short-lived thing that Cam Akers will take control of that backfield sooner rather than later. But what are your thoughts on Malcolm Brown and Dynasty right now? I mean, he looked good. That that offense kind of looks like we're getting shades of 2018. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see what we saw that year. But, you know, Malcolm Brown looked looked pretty decent. He looked like the the one of the better backs we've seen there. Uh, obviously, Todd Gurley being what Todd Gurley was is, you know, the guy. And then Marshall Falk, whatever. But, uh I think Malcolm Brown right now is the best back that's there. Cam Akers, to me, was always a project. I still think he's going to take time. It, you know, and uh, Daryl Henderson, I, I want to believe that he can do it, but the way that they've treated him, whether it was last year or now the start to this year, I just don't think he's it. 
I, I would feel much more comfortable putting Malcolm Brown out there. The, the way he has played in his very, very, very limited work has been at least, you know, it's steady, I, I guess. But honestly, I mean, he looked fine to me in, in week one. Not Obviously not a game changer by any means, not the way that Todd Gurley was. Uh, I think Cam Akers, if he continues to progress, can get to kind of that type of back where he could take a game potentially over and take a little bit of the pressure of Jared Goff off. Um, but right now I think it's, it's kind of Malcolm Brown. I think it will be probably for at least the first half of the season. Uh, I think they'll ease cam Akers in and um, hopefully take advantage of his playmaking ability, because I, I think that's, that's the upside you're chasing is, is the potential for cam Akers to be a big play guy. So would you be all in on Malcolm Brown on the waiver wire for a week two? Yeah, I mean, it's probably like a 80%, which you're probably not going to get him for, but it's you either lo- you use it or lose it. So it's you're not going to get really anybody that's going to be worth having past week one if you don't get them in week one waivers, you know? Yeah, I, I, I'm just, it's just something that's not exciting about Malcolm Brown. No, definitely. Very unexciting, for sure. And and honestly, I, I I expected that Rams offense to be better. I mean, I expected both the Rams and Cowboys offenses to be better, and they weren't that good last night. Um, we saw some shades of what we think the Cowboys offense could be, but Mike McCarthy strikes again with taking Jesus, down his elite talents. All right, we'll go on to our next thing. In the arms of the angel, <laughs> far away from here. Oh no, we're gonna get DMCA'd for that. Do, do you know a the terrible quarterback? Do you know a terrible quarterback who needs help? Who needs help from a coaching staff or some <laughs> wide receivers or maybe his own skill set? Oh, then you God. may need to adopt Baker Maybe Badfield, Baker Mayfield. Dan, I have been a Baker Mayfield advocate, particularly the last like 18 months. I'm out. He's he's not good. He is certifiably bad. He is not going to be a successful NFL quarterback. If I have Baker Mayfield in the league, send me an offer right now because I'll probably take it. <laughs> oh man, I I mean I'm guilty there too. I thought Baker's Baker was going to be that guy. I mean he's not Johnny Manziel. He's not that bad, but he's been really not good i mean yesterday he looked uh, he didn't he didn't look like he knew what was going on on the football field and we saw that kind of all year last year and i legitimately thought that 2019 was just a sophomore slump he you know he was doing all these ads and and you know everything was new and like exciting for him because he looked promising as a rookie. He legitimately looked like he was going to do it. And now here we are after week one in 2020, and we saw what we saw for a full season. I I, I don't think I can say that I'm out, but man, that was horrible. Yeah, and I will say that there is a slight... You know, and the the way Baker Mayfield's career has worked out, he's going to throw for like 110 yards on Thursday night. But Thursday night against the Bengals defense that isn't that good is an opportunity for him to like at least show some signs of life. Because then the 
faces a Washington pass defense or pass that will eat him for lunch. Like he has one week <laughs> to, to to open a buy win. I mean, to open a sell window. Right now, the buy window is is wide open. Uh, nobody's looking to close it anytime soon. So I don't know. Like I even sent this text to Russell. He's like, I was like. Baker is so bad that I don't know what to do with him. My only instinct is to watch a buy low, but I don't think I can even do that anymore. <laughs> I mean, if someone's throwing him out the window, well, yes, maybe, it's, it's, but... it's, if someone will give me a super flex share for a second, then give him to me. But <laughs> outside of that, I might be out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a weird spot because he did not look. And yeah, I, I, I mean, it's the Ravens. I get it. They're one of the Super Bowl contenders from the AFC. But, I mean, it's week one, man. you got to show up for week one. You can't, you can't do that. You threw for like 50%. Yeah. That's yeah. And, and, and I'm not a hashtag film Twitter guy, but there was, there was a screenshot of like his throwing angle yesterday, and he was standing like a platypus. Like, mm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's one thing if you have a bad game, but it's another thing if you're doing things so poorly – that you're going to be bad no matter what happens. He's like a genuine Sam Darnold. There you go. All right. Uh, so while Baker Mayfield may be bad, uh, the one thing that isn't bad is a drink from a cool, nice, refreshing Pepsi. What do you say, Dan? Well, this football season is going to be a little bit different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Me personally, I'm going to be almost every week at work with my coworkers, trying to catch as many snaps as I can. If I get a day off, I'm going to be at home. I'm going to be watching it with my kids. If my wife decides she want to watch like one snap of football, she's a big fan. But yeah, honestly, it's probably going to be at home on my couch with my kids or at work with my coworkers, trying to watch as many snaps as possible. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through the game day and become a member of League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility of your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to be resultant in, in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to give you the most important hire you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. This is their best offer available anywhere, anytime, anyplace, BlueWire. Go right now, indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. At Rotoviz, we love titles. We love hardware. We love championships. We love winning. And we love it when you do it too. In 2020, one thing we want to win with you 
is the underdog fantasy best ball mania one million dollar best ball tournament it's $200,000 to first place. It's only $25 to enter. It's a no-brainer. This is like the elite best ball title this year. So you got to go to underdogfantasy.com or download their great Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store on your smartphone device, and you're going to make a deposit. You're going to use code ROTOVIZ when you make that deposit. Then you're going to go refer five friends, and Underdog and ROTOVIZ will give you a free entry into the best ball mania tournament. So it's, it's kind of like a two-for-one. You sign up. You put in 25 bucks, you enter the Best Ball Mania tournament, you get five buddies to play, you use code ROTOVIZ, you get a free entry. No brainer, guys. Let's chase that glory. 200 grand. If $25 is too pricey for you, they've got a $5 tournament called the Bubble, and you can win 20 grand in that bad boy. Their app is slick. You click on the player's name, you see the ownership, you see the latest news and notes. You can draft from that app with no problem. Man, they really knocked it out of the park with this product, and I can't wait for you to try it. So go to underdogfantasy.com today, make a deposit, and use code ROTOVIZ, and chase that glory. All righty, now let's hop into the second half of today's episode. Now, surprisingly, and maybe not surprising because both their defenses are terrible, but Las Vegas v. Carolina was a shootout for the ages. Derek Carr versus Teddy Bridgewater. And one of the beneficiaries of the huge game was Robbie Anderson. He had a huge, I believe, around an 80-yard touchdown. And one of the more surprising things is that the target share between the Panthers was evenly split between DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel. So instead of a DJ Moore breakout season, we have Robbie Anderson deep threat season with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. So what are your thoughts on Robbie? This is a guy that we kind of clowned in the offseason saying, hey, what's the wrong quarterback going, the deep threat going to Teddy? But... Seemed to work out in week one. Well, the the one the one big play was a, a bad throw that Robbie kind of undercut the DB and then the DB fell and then he just you know blew past him. So uh, I still don't think he's necessarily the right quarterback for Robbie. His one touchdown for seventy five yards, and then he had five catches for forty yards. So uh, I mean. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be if Teddy can hit him downfield. That's there's all the upside in the world there. I'm sure they're gonna continue to take those deep shots getting downfield. But the intermediate stuff and the short stuff all favors DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and obviously Christian McCaffrey. Uh, it's I think this is going to be obviously we all want DJ Moore dynasty, you know, for dynasty purposes. And Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel are more than likely going to be really only best ball options probably this year, uh, at least in my opinion. I think Robbie is going to be the one big play a game or bust type type move. You know, he'll have a decent floor of probably like three or four catches, but the yardage won't be there unless he's able to get a big one. And if he gets a big one, it's going to be a touchdown. Uh, he just doesn't score. He doesn't not score on, on those big plays. So it's... um. It's an interesting one, you know, like you said, I think we all expected a, a big DJ Moore leap this year, and I thought Teddy would be the guy to do it. Apparently, they plan on spreading the ball out. Uh, they had, I think, five, it was five or six players that had multiple catches, so they're going to spread it around. Uh, I think McCaffrey is obviously the priority, and then the wide receivers, it's probably just going to, they're going to continue to scheme stuff that for, for whatever fits the offense seems super balanced, which, which was kind of nice to see. Uh, and it was good to see Teddy back out there because Teddy looked good. I mean, Teddy, Teddy looked like what we expect Teddy to be not amazing down the field, 
but but really good intermediate and obviously the short stuff and poised. I was happy to see that for Teddy. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do think that one of the things that was a positive for Teddy is one of the narratives that we talked about off season, the Panthers defense, not good. Very and, bad. Very bad. And, and so that defense being so bad, a, it's going to lead to Teddy losing his job to a draft pick next year, but B it's going to lead to Teddy being a high passing volume quarterback this year. And obviously that helps that he has like a, a pass catching back like McCaffrey and some nice weapons at, at the helm as well. So, I mean, it, it, if you only two days, you have the short-term value high because he's going to get high passing volume, long-term value, very low because this team is very bad. It lost to a bad Vegas Raiders team and they're going to be a top three pick, which makes Teddy a not long-term option in dynasty. Great. Great for short-term value, though, and he's probably not very expensive at this point. Another player who should not be expensive in Dynasty is one Thomas Brady. Uh, Tom Brady did not have the opening week to be remembered. Uh, two interceptions, uh, 63% completion percentage. Did have a rushing touchdown, which kind of boosted his fantasy stats to, you know, I think probably like a top six quarter, quarterback week. But at the end of the day, the, the big takeaway here is that Brady is what we thought he was after the 2019 season. He's not a guy who's going to be putting up the big numbers and he's, he's just okay. Like he, he has these weapons at the helm and he keeps on using Scotty Miller. <laughs> and uh, so Scotty Miller, he's a guy who uh, I'm picking up on the way. I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, but if he's on your way where I go out and get Scotty Miller right now, because all of the tropes and all of the uh, stereotypes are true. Tom Brady needs his small white receiver, small white receiver to throw the ball to, and that's Scotty Miller. It was it, there was a, a bit of a two man race between him and Justin Watson, but uh, Scotty Miller becomes victorious. I mean, I've been saying it all along: Scotty Miller greater than Mike Evans. I've you know I, I just live by those words. So, <laughs> no. uh, I, I hopefully this isn't a foreshadowing of the 2020 season for Mike Evans. Uh, because he'll no, probably lose his mind. No, I, I get that. I get that. But even so, only four targets, and really only one of them was catchable, and even that one was barely ca- caught. So, I mean, yeah, Brady, it was very, very evident that he was washed last year. This it just continues to kind of prove that point. Yes, a very good New Orleans Saints defense, but... I mean, when you've got an offense with that many weapons, you should still be able to do a little bit, you know, a 240 yards and two picks. Not not very Brady-esque. Uh, the only Brady-esque thing that happened on Sunday was, like you said, the Scotty Miller uh, dominance on field. So, yeah, Brady needs to to be a one-and-done in Tampa here. But if he keeps playing like straight garbage and they, they start – poorly like one and three or oh and four something crazy just throwing it out there you know josh rosen was in the stands mask on watching like a hawk did you see any of those anytime they'd cut to him his eyeballs were just peeled just hey i could be out there man i'm i'm better than that i'm better than that 50 year old guy (laughs) yeah tom brady was channeling his inner inner uh Jameis Winston this weekend and Logan Thomas was channeling his inner Rob Gronkowski as he had a four catch for 37 yards and one touchdown performance for the Washington football team. 
Now, when I'm targeting a late round sleeper tight end, I'm looking for a team that has very little to no wide receiver weapons. And for the Washington football team, they have Terry McLaurin and not much else, which provides an opportunity for Logan Thomas, who saw eight targets, probably more than you were expecting to see for Logan Thomas in week one. And they were a competent offense in week one, not much in the running game. Thought you'd see more from Antonio Gibson, but Logan Thomas, a guy who I don't mind adding right now. Uh, I'm not, you know, paying for him via draft pick or anything like that, but I've been a guy that's been like, I'll believe it when I see it with Logan Thomas. And I'm starting to believe it a little bit. Don't, don't tell Eric he was right. We're not, I'm not having this <laughs> conversation. No. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's in tight end prime years. He's 29. He hasn't really had a career at this point. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to say anything negative about eight, eight targets. And, and I mean, he was number one on team and targets on, on Sunday. So uh, obviously Dwayne Haskins feels like, that maybe is like a safety blanket for him. Terry McLaurin's really the only comp- competent player uh, outside of it. So, I mean, when your other options are J.D. McKissick, Dontrell Inman, Steven Sims, and what could be Antonio Gibson, yeah, Logan Thomas is probably going to end up getting some work. But, um, I mean, yeah, if he's on the waiver wires, which in most cases he probably is, I'll be looking to spend there. Won't be looking at throwing any draft capital around because tight ends are the worst. But it's free points right now. And and I would imagine the target share is going to continue to be there. I mean, he's probably going to dominate red zone usage too as, as far as a target share in the red zone goes. So, yeah, it's it's free points. So, I mean, make sure you're on top of it on your waiver wires. If, if he's already rostered, I mean, maybe you can go and try to send like a fourth for Logan Thomas and – you know, some like waiver cash or something, but I doubt anyone's going to do that. Now let's move on to the Los Angeles chargers and Anthony Lynn. Um, he is a man who hates his RB one, no matter who it is. He's like, <laughs> I want to do whatever I can and screw over my RB one. Uh, he did it for years with Melvin Gordon, giving touches to Austin Eckler. And now that our Austin Eckler is, is his RB one. He's like, I'm going to give all these touches to one Joshua Kelly, who had 12 rushes in his first career game, 60 yards and a touchdown. Now, funny enough, Austin Eckler had a career-high 19 career, I mean, 19 carries in week one. And so I think this is just more than we expected to see from Josh Kelly and a, no pass involvement or limited pass involvement for Austin Eckler. So takeaway from this is that Joshua Kelly is going to be overvalued this week. And Austin Eckler is going to be undervalued because people are going to say, oh, well, he's not going to get the passing down work now when ultimately he's one of the better pass catching running backs in the NFL and he's going to get the passing down work. Yeah, my my concern was less, I think, about actual Austin Eckler and more about the offense, particular Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod likes to lean on his down the field guys. He doesn't he doesn't look for those dump off moves. That's not his bit. I think this is going to be a nice year for Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Mike Williams. Uh, Mike Williams, I mean, if he stays healthy, man, he could be a, a potential league winner type. He, uh, I mean, he made the fun acrobat catch that it was, you know, prototypical Mike Williams. I was surprised to see him get up, not be injured. That was that was kind of a nice change of pace. So, yeah, the the backfield's weird. I never would have thought that that Joshua Kelly would have gotten the touches over Justin Jackson. I figured Justin Jackson was a shoe in for the the RB two role, 
And uh, I figured he'd probably have in that eight to 10 carry type work um, just to try to take a little bit of the, of the workload off Tyrod Taylor and make sure he's limited to, I would say probably less than 35 attempts unless they're playing from behind. Um, so I think game script definitely played into to Joshua Kelly getting plenty of work. And it was no, by no means a, a blowout, but they they didn't want to, um, you know, they, they weren't looking to spice things up and throw it a lot, do anything crazy, potentially turn the ball over. They wanted to run the ball, you know, every time. So I think this is a great thing for Joshua Kelly. I think obviously that more than likely solidifies him as the RB2. I know he was a uh, a rookie sleeper for quite a few analysts. I mean, he's got he's drafted in the fourth round, so I mean, there's there's definitely not nothing there. Uh, obviously, they like him. So, uh, R.I.P. Justin Jackson, um, Austin Eckler. I, I'm sure will bounce back. Obviously, 19 carries is is hard to you know to pout about, but um, it's more so the like you mentioned, Nathan, the targets and. I don't really know that that's going to change a whole lot to be completely honest. That's like I said before, that's not really Tyrod's MO. So we'll, we'll see. I, they may start forcing okay, the ball back. It, though. If, if we see more of what we saw from, from Tyrod on Sunday, he won't be starting by week four. He was very bad. Yeah, he was, he was not good, but that just makes you wonder how bad Justin Herbert was in, well, in, yeah, in I mean, camp. I mean, but we've seen this before of teams giving Tyrod the, you know, the start and then take me away from him very quickly. He's, the, he's done this song and dance a few times in his career. True. True. So, all right. That should wrap us up for today. We've gone play by play team by team breakdown, but yeah. Uh, who was it? Oh, Darius Slayton. Um, we'll wrap the show with Darius Slayton. Uh, he went B A N A N A S bananas. <laughs> when are we going to talk about Darius Slayton? I mean, I, I know that, I think you were a Slayton guy. Yeah. Are we going to talk about him being like a top top 15, top 17 dynasty wide receiver? I mean, I got huge Stefan Diggs vibes from Darius Slayton as a rookie. Um, I mean, I, I saw the same guy. I loved Stefan Diggs coming out. I liked Darius Slayton coming out. Didn't love, hated the landing spot. Uh, but, you know, when, when he is kind of your de facto wide receiver one and and profiles out as such. Obviously, Sterling Shepard profiles much better as a slot type. You have a big slot in Evan Ingram, and then whatever Golden Tate gadget player we want to you know tack in there. Slayton's he's kind of chalked for to have that kind of season. I think I think Shepard will continue to get his as kind of the the safety blanket. But any shots Daniel Jones is going to take downfield is more than likely going to be to Darius Slayton. And I mean he's he's got the ability. It is 100% there. I think we definitely have to have him in that top 24 discussion. I don't think there's a question about that. Uh, I, I think this offseason would, would have been a tremendous time to buy. I just think a lot of folks, myself included, were extremely skeptical on this New York Giants offense. And it still doesn't look good. They're not able to get Saquon loose. You know, the Daniel Jones is probably going to throw it 650 times this season because the defense has got awful. So, I mean, the, the touches are going to be there for these pass catchers. And I think Slayton may be, he's going to be your big breakout type. I mean, he still, he had like 750 yards last year, which is nothing to, you know, nothing, nothing crazy by any means, but as a rookie, those are, those are solid numbers. I mean, we saw DK Metcalf do 
uh, essentially the same thing. And now everyone's propping a BK Metcalf as a world beater, but nobody talks about Darius Slayton. So, uh, yeah, like, like I mentioned right away, I get big, big Stefan Diggs vibes from, from Darius Slayton. And this, um, you know, this start to the season is, is really a nice step in the right direction. It'll be tough to buy unless people are thinking that this is maybe a, uh, another one week wonder for some odd reason. And that, you know, he's, it's just just week one. It's just this. It's just that. I think it's it's still an okay time to buy. You wouldn't want to wait too long, um, you know, like next week for him to do it again. At that point, he'll, he'll more than likely become impossible to buy as he'll skyrocket up into that top 15, 16 uh, wide receivers discussion. All righty. That should wrap us up for tonight. But before we head out, it's time to hear from our friends over at Bet Online. I can't talk. <laughs> An absolutely seamless transition. And of course, the wait for football is over. Folks, football is back. Unite might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division champions, futures, all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use our promo code, that's BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, at betonline.ag. Again, that is BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget that it's time for you, not, not Dan, not Larry, not Jim, you, you the listener, to get involved with ourselves, our friends, at Rotoviz. Make sure you're involved by going to rotoviz.com and using promo code 2020RVRADIO. Get 10% discount to Rotoviz. Great articles, great tools, great all the greatness that you can find in fantasy ball in one place on Rotoviz. And most importantly, you put money in Dan and I's pocket. We have dog food to buy. We have kid food to buy. We have headphones to buy. We have stuff to buy. So you should buy Rotoviz. <laughs> Honestly, just kill two birds with one stone like I do and just feed your kids dog food. (laughs) (laughs) That should wrap us up for tonight. We will talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh!